Welcome to the FitPro Podcast, a brand new initiative from FitPro for forward-thinking professionals who want the latest information while on the move. We hope you enjoy this week's pod, and for further information about today's podcast, head over to our social media pages and start the conversation. And to offer feedback and suggestions for future podcasts, get in touch with us at publish at fitpro.com. Hi, and welcome to another FitPro podcast with myself, Teresa Wheatley, Head of Marketing and Education. Today, we are talking to the amazing Mary Huckle all about cancer. We are chatting from the perspective of being a trainer and how to maintain a successful business when you've had a diagnosis of cancer. But also, we're going to have some gems around how to best communicate and support someone with cancer. What I love most about Mary is her openness and how authentic she is. Whilst I respect everyone wants and needs to cope with their diagnosis in different ways, what Mary does for the community and cancer awareness is inspirational. Welcome, Mary. So lovely to have you with us today. Tell us a little bit of that's my pleasure. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your diagnosis. Okay, so I was diagnosed um, back in August 2007 um, with uh, primary breast cancer. Um, yeah, so at the, t- at the time, I was probably at my fittest, which to me was just, I just couldn't comprehend how I could be actually diagnosed with cancer when I was so fit and literally I didn't act fit any of the risk factors. I wasn't obese. I wasn't, you know, I was eating healthily. I was training. I was like really busy as a personal trainer already and as a fitness instructor teaching classes um you know I didn't smoke didn't drink just thought why you know why is this happening to me so it was a real shock and we haven't got any family history either so it was real literally a bolt out of the blue why is this happening what have I done wrong a lot of guilt to process at the very beginning as well family wise you know what maybe I'd done to myself yeah, it was just very, very, very odd. Um, but in saying that, you know, it's just something that I had to deal with. And I think having that background of being a, a PT and, you know, I was I was at my business, I was at the busiest as well in my business. That was the weird thing about it. I was teaching kids fitness in schools. I was doing pre and postnatal one-to-ones in groups. I was teaching circuits in, you know, church halls and whatever. I was in, had loads of PT clients, sometimes like eight clients back to back in one day. It was just, I just thought this can't be happening to me. I just can't be doing with this because I think I'd been qualified for about three years as a PT. So I was still quite young actually in the business, but it was going really well. And I just thought, how bloody inconvenient of now cancer to come along and screw things up for me. It was all very new. It was all very uncertain. I didn't know how bad this diagnosis was. And I thought, am I going to see next Christmas? You know, am I actually going to be alive? I was consumed by, you know, thoughts of dying, not seeing my kids. It was just horrible horrible I was like one day I was like crying all day long the next day I might be sort of like in panic mode 
um, all day long. Um, day after that, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to be fine. Just didn't know where, where I was. To cut a long story short, I basically had a mastectomy, a full radical mastectomy on my right side. I had all my lymph nodes taken out and um, I was basically not in a great shape <laughs> for, you know, for a while. I had to sort of like give up my business for a bit. I just thought I can't be, um, what's the word, unreliable for my clients because that's just, that just wasn't me, you know. I was always very punctual with my clients, very professional. I just thought I can't be like saying to them, oh yeah, let's meet up next week and then perhaps have to sort of like cancel at the last minute because I was being sick or, you know, because my brain fog was just too much for me to handle. So anyway, I decided that for about a year and a half, I would just let it go and just concentrate on getting myself better. You know, I had this like inbuilt thing. And I think a lot of fitness professionals have this. They have this thing about getting better um, themselves, you know, getting themselves better very quickly when they have some sort of setback. I don't know, it could be a sprained ankle. It could be like, yeah, breast cancer, whatever. But we've all got this thing inbuilt, I think, where we've just like almost like in competition with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we want to get back to being normal, back to our clients as quickly as possible. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to sort of like concentrate on myself but always being really focused on that, getting back to work, this, that, and the other. So I didn't have a reconstruction because of that. I thought, I don't want to undergo more surgery than is necessary. Let's just get this thing out of me. Let's get on with the chemotherapy, which was like six months of chemo. Um, let's focus on me getting better. So even during chemotherapy, I was going out for runs, going to my local gym, joining in classes and things, you know, wherever I could. And there were times when I just couldn't do it, you know, but when I could, I'd really sort of like try and just focus on myself and just get in as well as I could um, as quickly as possible. So then um, I went back to work about after a year and a half, rebuilt my business. I was on tamoxifen then for about five years. And then my oncologist was like, okay, let's keep you on tamoxifen for 10 years. And I was like, no, I want a break from tamoxifen. I don't want to be on it for, for five more years. And although I was, I was functioning quite well, I was getting like headaches most days. And I was getting a little bit of like joint pain here and there, but I'd, I'd actually, you know, essentially gone back to everything that I was doing before. So in my mind, I was thought, actually, I'm doing quite well here. But I thought five more years of tamoxifen. I thought, oh gosh, I don't think I don't want, I don't really want that. Let's go for a little break. So I took a break. Unfortunately, I was diagnosed with secondary breast cancer in that break. Was it a coincidence? I don't know. Was it because I'd come off the drugs? I don't know. All I know is that when I had that break, I felt marvelous. I felt really good because I had no treatment. I had nothing going into my body, nothing toxic, you know, no infusions, no like intravenous stuff. It was just amazing. I had regular checkups, but I felt really good in that time. Mm -hmm. It was my oncologist that picked up a like pea-sized lump behind my collarbone. And that's when it sort of all like went into the secondary breast cancer scenario, blah, blah, blah. 
but I carried on working, you know, and that's really, I suppose, without me going into too much detail at this point, that's how it continued. I just went back to work, rebuilt my business, carried on doing whatever I could. Um, you know, I was still relatively well, even though I was on loads of different drugs, um, you know, after that, after the diagnosis of the secondaries. And it's only been in the last sort of like few years I've actually felt a little bit tired and that I've really been thinking, mm, it's taken a toll on my body. And I haven't really been able to do as much as I would have liked to. Yeah. But yeah, that's in a, in a nutshell, really. Uh, it's, there's so much more to it, but I'm going to stop there. Okay. Otherwise, our entire time will be taken up with just my diagnosis. Well, it's complex, isn't it? It's been a long, long journey, hasn't it, for you, Mary? That's for sure. So yeah. you touched on a few um, things and what I just heard you saying and leads me on to my first question, which is, how have you managed to maintain your business and what strategies have put, it, mm. you put in place? Obviously, I heard that you sort of um, pulled back on the business the first time, but how do you manage it now? Yeah, it's been it's been difficult. It's not it's not easy at all. The fact that every time I've had progression, because I've had quite a bit of progression over the years, so just as what just to um, you know sort of like let people know so obviously the, the the cancer started off in my breast in my right breast and then it's like spread to behind my collarbone into my what they call the mammary chain so I had like lymph nodes in my chest wall that were also affected and then progression from that so nowadays it's basically in my lungs my liver in my bones so it's like particularly my spine cervical thoracic lumbar in my pelvis in my hip um yeah so it's quite widespread unfortunately and even more recently i was diagnosed with lesions to my brain mm -hmm. um but every time you have a, a setback you have to sort of like change treatments and you don't know how you're going to fare on those treatments so every time i've had progression and changed treatment the thoughts have always gone through my head. You know, how am I going to manage my business? How am I going to manage my clients? What do I say to them? Do I just pack it all in? Mm. No, don't do that. Because I've actually got something that I love doing. It's my focus. Why would I pack it all in? Mm. That'd be the easiest thing to do. So I've been really lucky that over the years, I've, you know, I've sort of like grown with my clients. They've been very loyal to me. Um, so I've actually had lots of clients have hung about, even when I've not been able to teach classes mm. at the last minute or, you know, sorry, I'm sort of like not feeling it tonight. I'm being like, you know, sick down the loo or I've got a really bad headache or my brain fog isn't just not allowing me to just concentrate. They've just, they've, step back they're like just take whatever time you need and they've come back and they've come back so you know for that I'm forever grateful to my clients you know in the classes my one-to-one -one clients um I'm not gonna lie some people I think might have thought well you know I can't I need to sort of have a little bit more 
uh, what's the word, frequency here. I need to have a little bit more, um, you know, interaction with my personal trainer. So, but you know, there are a couple of clients. I think people, things have come to sort of like a, some sort of closure, but you know, never on any sort of like horrible terms or anything. It's always been very amicable. And in fact, you know what it's like, Teresa, we sort of like, we can become, we could become really good friends with all our clients, couldn't we? We just literally could like go into that sort of like, not not a trap, but we could easily fall into that like, yeah, having friendships all over the place. But so it's, it's, it's difficult because I've, I've always got to work out a pattern with my treatments as well. You know, once I work out the pattern, then I know exactly the days that I can teach classes, that I can have once one client, you know, but that's difficult because sometimes on a new treatment that could take weeks before I know exactly how I'm going to feel, when I'm going to be feeling side effects, when am I going to be having my treatments, you know, when am I going to be going for, when am I, when am I sorry, put my teeth back in, when am I be going for blood tests, you know, it's all things like that. So I have to sort of like almost like fit my work around my hospital appointments and side effects and whatever. So it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, yeah. but I've managed to do it somehow. <laughs> God knows yeah. how. And, and it certainly is not predictable, right? That's the thing. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. still ticking along my business. I'm not as busy as I was, you know, even maybe sort of like three years ago. But that's my, that's my choice, you know, because I can't be, you know, training eight clients back to back anymore. That would be absolutely ridiculous. And also, it just it wouldn't be fair on myself and my family. You know, if I had to sort of try and find that balance. Yeah. I hope that answers the question. It does, what. it does, absolutely. <laughs> so, next one. Uh, this, this one's always very interesting to me. What are your thoughts on the best ways to communicate with people with cancer diagnosis? Right. So are we talking about the general public or are we talking about fit pros with, with cancer? Let, let's say the general public. So, general public. yeah, right. obviously so you... Basically, as well. Yeah. So not necessarily from a trainer perspective. This could be, you know, um, a good friend of mine has suddenly got a cancer diagnosis. You know, yeah. um, how do I, you know talk to them and and stuff you know through your experience i'm sure you could probably give some insight into what is helpful and maybe not quite as helpful yeah. what are your thoughts what are your thoughts i do know what it's like this is a really this is a really good question it's also very complex because mm. when you're diagnosed with cancer you know you and you, you know you've got like a circle of friends and you re you really do find out who your true friends are because it's a well-known fact that many, many cancer um, patients, let's maybe not call them patients, but people with cancer, they lose friends along the way because people just don't know how to cope when somebody's diagnosed with cancer. Do I talk to them? Do I ignore them? Do I ring them? Do I go around there? Do I just turn up with a plate of food? You know, do I say we're just going to, go somewhere I'm going to take you out for a coffee for brunch whatever or do I just like let them get on with it it's really really difficult it's really like a complex um, situation personally what I would say is that if you've got a, if you've got 
you've got a friend that's diagnosed with cancer in particular, or even a family, you know, a, rel a family member, a relative, is don't ignore them. Don't ignore them. That's the very, the first and foremost thing that I would say to people, just don't ignore them. You know, give them a call, find out how they would like to be treated. They might say to you, well, you know what, just leave me alone for this week. You know, I'd rather be left alone, whatever. You know, don't take that personally. That's just them, how they're coping. Or they might say to you, you know, check up on me, you know, once a week or whatever. You know, I think talking, keep the lines of communication open, talk to the people of the person. Don't assume, don't assume that they're going to want to do this, they're going to want to do that, they're going to just not want to talk to you. Or just don't assume, that's what I say to people as well, just don't assume that your friend doesn't want to talk to you because they might want to talk to you. They might not want to talk about cancer all the time either. They might want to just like talk about normal stuff. On the other hand, they might want to talk about it. It's so difficult, honestly, really. Is, and there's no real right or wrong. I think it's just a case of just communicating with them and finding out how they want to, you know, how they want you to handle the situation with them. You know, I mean, the worst thing is like crossing the road if you see them walking down the street or people have done that, honestly, not to me personally, but I know of people that that's happened to. And that's so sad because it could happen to anybody at any point in our lives. And, you know, it doesn't, it's not contagious. You know, you can't catch cancer. So, yeah, just treat people with, you know, with some sort of like respect and, you know, maybe sort of like don't talk about, you know, the your aunt's cat who died of cancer like last week or honestly, that, that has happened so many times or like, oh, well, you know, we're, you could get one over by a bus tomorrow. I mean, how many times have I heard that? But you know, it's like when you've got when you've been when you're being when you've been diagnosed with cancer, you've been hit by that bus already. That's what it feels like. You know, you might have survived that being run over by the bus, but you've been hit by that bus. Believe me, it's just life changing. It just and for your family as well. And that's another that's another thing. You know, if you've got a friend and they've got husband, children. You know, you can help in so many ways. You can you can talk to the spouse, you can talk to the, um, you know, you can help with the children. You know, it's things, even silly little things like taking the kids to school for your friend or, you know, or cooking them a meal. It's no, we, got, we, we froze, we did for a second. We froze. It's okay. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, it's, a, it's a really good question. But here, I'm going to do a little bit plug-in because I've actually um, written, um, I think I've got about four articles that have been published by Huffington Post. One of them is like what to, what not to say or do. Um, no, what things not that you can't, that you shouldn't say when your friend has been diagnosed with cancer. And the other one is like, you know, things that you might do or that you might say or whatever. Yeah, I think it's just a case of just like thinking before you say things and just yeah, and almost yeah. like putting yourself in there in that person's shoes and thinking, well, how, you know, how would I feel if they if that was me? 
and if I'd been asked that question or if I'd been treated yeah. that way. Yeah, that's, yes, but, that's a great, great answer. I've read that as well and shared it with people. You're having some posts on that, and I thought it was genius, genuinely. So oh, well done you. you for, no, well done you for plugging it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, no, yeah. I, I, you know, following on from that, I, I really feel that there's a, a part of many people who are caring that they want to fix. And let's be honest, they ain't going to fix you. Um, yes. And people always, with the best intention, want to get things right. And mm. I think it's it's having that openness to the fact that you may some it may say something that's not quite right for that person. But if there's that open communication, exactly, and there's that safe space, you can honour someone and say, "Look, I really don't know how I can best help you. Please, what can I do for you? You know." Yes. Um, is it that you want to talk about it? You don't want to talk about it. All those things. Exactly. Everything you said is from my mm -hmm. own experience, you know, of working with people. That has always worked. It's about being open. To Absolutely. Absolutely. Wishes. Being like open hearted, you know, mm -hmm. open minded and just like warm towards that person. Lovely. Uh, it just it makes such a difference. And like I and like we've said, it, you know, they, they, they're going to tell you what they want and how they want to be treated. You know, yeah. I mean, I was like, I was just, I wanted to feel as normal as possible, to be honest with you, for most of the time. So, you know, I used to sort of like just all the like the real sort of like dark stuff, I'd tell my counsellor. Because yes. you know, I just found, found it easier to speak to my counsellor about you know the dark stuff rather than talking to my kids about it or my husband or my sisters or my parents even you just like you don't want to burden um everyone else even your friends it's like you know for me friends are all about come on okay let's what can we do let's like go out for, for a coffee or let's do lunch or and i was really really fortunate again that so many my friends just like ringing me up they were like okay I'm going to come and pick you up I'm going to take you out for a coffee and we just like act as normal as possible and not focus on me you know being bald and having a round steroid face and that sort of thing it was just all very just like take me away from cancer just make me escape just for a little while you know so yeah so there is a there are there are coping mechanisms for both the person that, who's got it who's got the cancer and and for the friends and family as well but like I say friends and family need help as well you know we mustn't forget about them because the ripple effect of a diagnosis is very is far-reaching you know it, it affects everybody around you so we mustn't forget family and friends yeah. of that person I'm going to go on to my next question, which is how do you deal with unwanted, albeit well-meaning advice? You know, something like a message through Facebook saying you should try this diet. Have you seen this? You should read this book. You know, these are these are well-meaning bits yes. of suggestion. But how do you deal with that? Because I imagine, I imagine there's a lot of unsolicited advice going on yes. around here. Yes. Tell me. There is. And it's like it is, again, another really good question. Um, and I'm very gracious, Teresa. You know, whenever anybody messages me, I'm not like, oh, you know, get lost, you know, you weird person or anything like that. I'm always very gracious. I'm always very thankful 
because I know that deep down that person has my best interest at heart, you know, and, you know, there are a load of like weird and wonderful cures out there. And to be honest with you, when you get to my stage, which is stage four, like advanced, incurable, whatever you want to call it, secondary, you know, sometimes you do actually grasp at, at, at things because when you find that treatments aren't working, you know, you've got like one after the other that, you know, that, 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 that and these treatments aren't working, you've got progression, you know, and each time you get progression, you think, God, is this it? Is this it? Is it all over for me now? Have I literally got only like weeks or months left? And you do end up actually trying things out, you know, and I must admit that, you know, I do, I've, I've tried things and there are lots of things out there that are complementary. I would not say that one should tr do alternative, which is to give up conventional treatment. I don't recommend that. I'm not going to lie. Unless your quality of life is really, really awful and really, really bad. I don't recommend that people give up conventional treatment. But I do believe in like, you know, working with complementary stuff. Definitely. You know, if you can OK it. Um, with your oncologist. In fact, I know some people that don't even okay, don't even okay with their oncologists. They'll just like go off and do stuff and not even say, because not all oncologists are actually open-minded enough to accept that you might want to try mistletoe therapy or you know, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. You know, they might not be open-minded enough for you to go off and do that. But um yeah. I do get a lot of stuff like over the years I've had loads I've had stuff like even sent to me in the post with just my name on it and like you know Enfield and it arrives like gets to me I suppose people thought well I suppose the, I don't know the post office might look up my name and they might even feel see the website you know my business stuff and whatever and they'll find me and this stuff's actually got to me you know I've been sent books anonymously um my, I'm, I'm actually quite open-minded, you know, so I never sort of like to people, you know, please don't get lost, don't whatever, but yeah, I'm open-minded. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's not as juicy as you thought it was going to be, is it? So <laughs> probably thinking, oh my God, yeah, she's going to like let rip here, but no, I know I actually, I actually sort of like do believe in like, you know, healthy eating as well and you know, positive thinking, it does, it does help to a certain extent, it does, it must do. Uh, one thing it does help is your own journey and the experience, doesn't it? If you yeah. feel like you're taking ownership of, of your own self and health, I think yeah. that's massive, you know? Exactly, and yeah, yeah, I, exercise, my God, it's so important, fundamental. Yes, 100%. Fundamental yeah. because you've got those endorphins that are being released, we know that endorphins are good for us, you know, mentally and physically. Um, so, you know, and that's what links into the positive stuff. And, you know, that, yeah. yeah. 100%. Yeah. My last question. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, what advice do you have for any fit pros with a new cancer diagnosis? Yeah, that's a really good question as well. I love 
love your questions, Teresa, because they've been really quite different as well, um, but very deep <laughs> at the same time. But I think if you're a fit pro and you've been diagnosed, don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on your business. If you're freelance, you know, especially don't give up on it. Just stay focused. You know, a cancer diagnosis is not a death sentence. You know, it's not like there are, for, for breast cancer, I'm one of 30% of people that will be diagnosed with secondaries. Um, you know, but the seven, there are 70% of people with breast cancer out there with primary who can actually continue with their lives and not be touched by breast cancer again, which is fabulous. Um, but definitely do not give up on, you know, science, on yourself, on your business, on your work. You know, as fit pros, we know that exercise is really important to our, well, to our well-being. So, yeah, why we don't give up on that ever. Um, take your time as well. Take your time. And also, us fit pros don't like asking for help. I know that for a fact. You know, we're like, oh, yeah, we can do this. We can do this. We can get through the day. We can, like, cope. Ask for help. Goodness sake, don't be afraid to ask for help. And also help-wise, um, like, counselling as well. You know, because I think, although we're, if you're mentally strong, you're physically strong and vice versa, so we know that as fit pros. But, you know, I needed help. When I finished my active treatment, I felt almost like, I felt really vulnerable. I felt like I was like not on treatment anymore. And I felt unsafe and almost like, oh my God, I'm so, I feel so exposed now. You know, is it going to reoccur? Is it this? Is it, is it that? Um, and so I did actually, you know, seek counselling and that really helped me. So don't be so proud that you don't actually ask for help from family, from friends, from, you know, health professionals. Um, yes. What other advice would I give? Because it's, it's a good question. But I think that I think that that covers actually, the, you know, the what you might be feeling with a cancer diagnosis. It's like, just try and stay as, as positive as you can and try and keep distracted. And, and as fit pros, we have so many distractions. Over the years, my job has been my absolute biggest and the most beneficial distraction. So definitely keep it all up yeah. if you can. Love that and, and tell your story tell your story and share because it's so important to give people hope and to give people you know even if they're, 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 even if they've got a really bad prognosis you're still sharing your story and you're still you know relatable to somebody you know who may need um that extra bit of help absolutely and that's yeah. what you do so amazingly you tell your story I follow you, obviously, as you know, on social media and stuff, and I read it, and it's so, it's actually refreshing to, mm. to read what you read. It's so authentic, it's informative, it's it's all of those things, you know. Yeah, it's no, really amazing. You. No, thank you for what you're doing. I genuinely, I, I, I feel very informed, you know, mm. by by 
what you're doing and, and your experience and, and you let us in, which yeah. is a really, really important thing. Not everybody can do that um, because yeah. perhaps it's too hard or, or, or whatever, or they don't want to. Um, yeah. But it's really important, like you say, to, because then other people who aren't experiencing it learn. And, and that's, you know, I thank you yeah. for that massively. Thank you. No, no, it's like definitely because like you might, you know, you might touch a nerve just for one person with with something that you might say or that you might tell in your story and that's you know that's massively important and I always said that from the, from the first day that I had got I got that diagnosis I I just vowed that I would do something positive you know from this and you know I've sort of like worked with charities from day one and you know I people often people often say to me do you mind talking about it you know do you mind you know, digging up all those like memories that, that could be bad memories. And I'm like, yeah, I don't mind at all because I could be helping somebody, you know, and it's like, we're not, you know, you're, you're, we're not alone. Um, so, and it, and it helps me, I find it very cathartic to talk about it and to write stuff down and to share stuff on Instagram in particular. I found that to be a really good platform, um, you know, and I've made so many friends you know, on this, let's call it a journey, you know, not everyone likes to call it a journey, but let's call it a journey. I've made so many friends, you know, and yeah, it's just, it's really helpful to sort of like to be able to share and, and help others. And I have no qualms and I get messages literally, in fact, I'm terrible, I need, to, I need to turn my messages back on. I turned off my I turned off my messages on my you know you know on my stories for a while because I was getting inundated and I was I've just been through like some really sort of like bad patches recently where I've not been able to really concentrate on what's going on and even to write a post has been a challenge um, but I will, I must turn on my my messages again my DMs are always open to anybody and everybody but um yeah I've got to turn on my little message things on my story you must so where would people follow you obviously I follow you but how would people follow you um where would they find you yeah so very simply on Instagram you can just find me find me under Mary Huckle um yeah very simply just Mary Huckle on Instagram on Facebook again Mary Huckle or on my my business page is Breakthrough Fitness. Um, I have got a website, again, breakthroughfitness.co.uk. It's a little bit out of date, you know, picture-wise and whatever. I think I've still got dark hair and a lot of my pictures on my website. Oh gosh, that sounds terrible. Um, but I keep meaning to update my pictures and I will get around to it. And also I'm on Twitter, um, Mary, at Mary underscore Huckle. Um, so yeah, I'm, you know, gosh, it's, um, you can find me really easily but yeah check out my Huffington Post um, articles I've written four of them and I think if you put in Mary Huckle and Huffington Post they all come up the ones that I've written um, yeah but I'm on Instagram a lot I'm on yeah, Instagram I see a lot of your Insta yeah. stories and you know they're real glimpses into your treatment and stuff it's, yeah. it's fascinating you know it really is I just try to be also as educational as possible you know, it's another cliche thing, but knowledge is power, really. Absolutely, 110%. And 
And now I've, I'm dealing with secondary breast cancer. You know, I've got, there's a lot, of, I've got a lot more on my plate to handle, to deal with. And I do a lot of patient advocacy work for a fantastic group called MetUp UK. Um, and, you know, we basically try and make things better for anybody with secondary breast cancer, because there are lots of like, lots of like, yeah, loopholes, lots of bits in the system that are broken. And we need to keep raising awareness because every single year, 11,500 or thereabouts, women mostly, but men also die from breast cancer, diagnose and die from breast cancer. 11,500 women mostly die every single year. It's the most common cancer amongst women in this in the UK and actually globally. You know, and we need to sort of like stop people dying. And we want to make cancer, all stage four cancers, we want to make it, we want to make them chronic rather than sort of like once you get to secondaries, you know, your life expectancy might be like maybe sort of like two to five years. From, and that's what it is for most people. But I'm here to tell the tale. I'm beating the median. I'm actually, you know, past that five-year mark now. And I just, I, I intend to be here a lot bloody longer. <laughs> I love, I love that. Yes, love that, Mary. Thank you so much for your, for what you're doing oh, already. But Rita, thank on... you for asking me. Oh my. Goodness, my pleasure. I mean, you've had links with FitPro. You did the kind of moonwalk thing was it a couple of years ago. Was it yeah. a few years ago? So, you know, yeah. you've had links with us for a long, long time. So, yeah. you know, for from the FitPro team, I can't thank you enough. From the community, yeah. obviously, massive, massive thanks. Yeah. And, uh, no, shall, we, shall we sign off and we'll look forward to seeing you on Instagram soon? Yes. Please. All right. <laughs> okay. You'll get all these followers, won't you? Which will be fantastic. Well, hopefully. I mean, hopefully, you know, it's not all it's not all really about the numbers for me. Oh, of course. No, Mary, of course. You know what I mean. I, know, I mean, with know, regards know, to raising know, awareness and all raising that. Raising awareness yeah. and like, you know, getting people that that really want to like understand what it's like, you know, having sort of like secondary a secondary cancer and it's you know, I try to sort of like stay upbeat as much as possible, but it's not always the case, unfortunately. And it's just like being realistic and um, trying to find that balance between actually, yeah, I've, I'm dealing with this, but also I'm trying to live my life and I'm trying to sort of like maintain a good quality of life as well. Um, yeah, so yes, please, you know, a few more followers would be great. I mean, yeah, it's just like there's more, more people to hopefully help me share and spread awareness. I, I'm also an ambassador for Make Seconds Count, another secondary um, breast cancer group in the UK. There aren't many groups like that, but but I'm an ambassador for Make Seconds Count. I'm a patient advocate for MetUp UK and very much work very closely with them. So yeah, come and check us out. Amazing. And, yeah, wonderful. Teresa, thank you so much. No, Mary, thank you. <laughs> I, I I hope to chat to you very very soon. We, oh, we'll stop you. the recording and then we'll say a proper goodbye in a moment. Yeah. So we will say a thank you and bye bye to everybody who's listening, and you can catch our podcast very very soon coming up.
For more information about FitPro education and for details on FitPro membership and insurance, you can visit us at fitpro.com. We hope you enjoy today's podcast and see you next time.